0: Tfm. Welcome, Boomers, to another episode of Warp 5, our dedicated Star Trek Enterprise podcast. I'm Christopher Jones, and with me, as he always is, is my esteemed co-host, Matthew rushing and Matthew is a little upset at me. It seems starting here. Matthew, just before we start, I'm gonna apologize. Like I'm, I'm really sorry about your tree. I don't know what got into me.
1: Well, Chris, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. And uh, you know, you didn't do the correct apology, uh, and so apparently you had not gotten my text. It was a little bit long. But uh, you skipped steps five, four and eight in the apology and so therefore not accepted.
0: Well, okay, I'll (laughs) just have to try again. I don't know what to say. Maybe I'll go have a good soak and like a super hydrating solution. Maybe that'll loosen me up so I can get it all right next
1: time. Yeah, I think they just called us hot tubs, Chris. (laughs) Well, if
0: if this is a hot tub, I think it needs to be cleaned because that water is not looking very fresh.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is the weirdest hot tub time machine I've ever seen. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Yes, everyone, today we are talking about a night in sickbay as we continue our 20th anniversary look at Star Trek Enterprise here in the second season. And here is a quick rundown of the story when Porthos takes a leak on a sacred tree, it's strike two for the Enterprise crew with the Cretassins. But that relief doesn't last the beloved pooch, as a pathogen in the Cretassin air leaves him sick. Archer then spends a night in sick bay helping flocks as he tries to save Porthos. But don't worry. Eventually, all is well, and Archer even gets to play lumberjack. <laughs> so, Matthew, does that pretty much sum up this story? It's a quite straightforward plot, although we do delve into the mind of Archer for a little bit of uh, a character story here.
1: Uh, you know, I, I think you're right. It does pretty much sum up the plot. And not only do we actually dive into Archer, but I, I thought that this episode did a good job of giving us some background on Denobulans and Dr. Phlox as well. I, I thought that they really utilized the uh, uh, their time together to bring them closer as, as characters in in a really interesting way. So, which, you know, this episode is is a pretty big, silly episode in a lot of ways. But I think that they do do some interesting things with what they give us.
0: Yeah, they do. And they give us some background about Porthos because I believe this is where, I think it's the only time we learn why he's named after a musketeer. And also how Archer came Mm -hmm. to have him in the first place.
1: Yeah, um, I I love that as well. I mean, to give us that backstory, I mean, I'm sure, although, you know, there was a comic that just came out about Grunge the Cat uh, from Discovery. So, um, but hey, we actually got an entire episode here that does revolve around Archer's dog. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And I love dogs, so I've always loved this episode. Now, this episode is an interesting one because I know that there are a lot of fans who really don't like this episode or don't like parts of this episode. At the same time, this episode was nominated for a Hugo Award, which only a handful of Star Trek episodes can claim out of the 800-something that have aired. And for me, I've always loved this episode because I think it's fun it gives us a mix of humor and, as we're discussing here, some serious character insight. But it never gets heavy. And you know Porthos is going to be okay because, come on, the Star Trek writers, mm-hmm. they're not going to kill a dog in an
1: episode. Right. Yeah, No dogs were harmed in the making of this episode, which right. was, See? is fantastic. They wouldn't be able to put that at the end. Uh, right, 100%. Right. So, you know, I, I think that's a good thing to kind of deal with right up front, Chris, uh, just about the episode itself. Um, I am like you. I've, I've never had a huge issue with this episode. You know, it's not like I would say it's one of my favorite episodes. But I think what makes this episode interesting is that it is willing to talk about things that, you know, Star Trek really hadn't necessarily talked about before. Um, and I think the reality of the situation, and I was thinking through, you know, because we've been watching this chronologically one a week here, um, I'm thinking about where this crew has been, what they've been through. Uh, you know, they've been together now for over a year, uh, they've been in deep space. There hasn't been a lot of uh, chances for uh, Archer himself to find any kind of relaxation. In fact, the last time he was supposed to have relaxation, he ended up in a mystery there on Risa. So this guy has been under an immense amount of stress for over a year, almost a year and a half now. And to have this type of situation kind of come up, I think makes sense. And I don't I don't know of anybody really in that has worked in an office environment for a long period of time that hasn't had attraction to an opposite-sex member, right? Or same-sex member. Exactly. I mean, all this stuff— I mean, this is stuff that just happens all the time. And so I think, uh, to me, I like where this episode goes, and I also appreciate at the very end of the episode that it it allows them to kind of have a conversation about it. Paul, is quite aware— As I think she does a great job of um, talking to the captain about it, basically saying, I understand what you're saying, and it's a good thing this can't be a problem. So basically, she lets him know she knows what he's talking about and encourages him to then continue to be the person that she knows him to be. And, you know, I just really appreciate that. I I think, yes, is it silly and all those things? Uh, Yeah, of course. but, you know, I, I, I've i not really had an issue with this episode, and, and uh, I think I appreciate that it's willing to just talk about these things that happen to people all the time in our daily lives, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that situation between Archer and Topole, there are two angles from which I think about it. One is in-universe with the writing, and one is fan mm-hmm. expectations, and Here we are, early season two, and Mm -hmm. as you recall, there was that fan speculation of will Archer and Tapole have a romantic relationship? Are they going to go there with the characters? And there are moments where it seemed like maybe they have tried to write some of that Mm -hmm. tension into the show, but it didn't feel like that's where they were going to go with the characters. And then suddenly here, it's like, hey, we're inside Archer's head. He's having all these thoughts mm-hmm. about Topol. Maybe we are going to go there with the characters. And then at the end, when Topole says that it's a good thing, you know, that you're my superior officer and we can't let ourselves be attracted to each other. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit hard to tell the way Jolene plays that, whether she's suggesting that maybe topol could have some attraction to Archer or if it's like, no, I don't, but I'm going to make you feel better by kind of suggesting that, you know, if mm-hmm. if we weren't working together, what do you think about the episode in the context of those fan mm. expectations and then what the writers yeah. give us and then, of course, where they go after that?
1: You know, it, it's funny you mentioned that because as you were, I was thinking about there was so much um, that in the fandom, you know, on, on. Uh, the message boards and things like that mm-hmm. um, back in the day, where people thought that that might happen, that those two would get together, because I think the actors had chemistry mm-hmm. together. And you know, it's it's when you're watching TV shows, people love to ship people. I yeah. mean, it's a, it's, yeah. it's it's you know, it's a dangerous game uh, getting in the middle of of ships uh, and uh, how fans feel about them. So, what would they be? Would they be like to polter? T'Ponethon? Hmm. I don't know. A Paul? (laughs) Maybe I don't know. What if there were a guy uh, on the
0: ship named Paul, and then they got together to Paul. Paul, See, that would be... To Paul and a Paul. It would be both perfect Mm, and confusing for their crewmates. Yes.
1: Yes. Because they wouldn't know what to call them. Right. Um, But no, (laughs) I, I mean... With them and whether or not they would get together, I, I think you know the speculation was was definitely high at that time. But I mean, I think obviously they did a good job of not doing that. I mean, it would be inappropriate for the, being her commanding officer and those kind of things. I mean, this is this is basically this isn't Voyager, where they're seventy thousand light years from home and they may never get home, kind of question. Right, and, and then you do have, I think, the moral question of whether or not. The captain could be say with the first officer but here there's there there's no reason for that to happen one of the things that chris and this might sound a little bit silly but i think um this episode to me is kind of proof that you know we can't just work 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 all the time and not have any breaks and not have any time for relaxation or vacations or any of those things where we can kind of Put everything else on the shelf and just get away. And and in all honesty, I, I think this episode kind of shows that, you know, this is where Starfleet is going to have to think about those things for its members as more and more ships start doing what Enterprise is doing, which is they're out. In the middle of nowhere, and you do need to take care of your crew physically, mentally, spiritually—all of those ways. You can't just do it, you know. Um, physically, you know, uh, the mental strain and and the emotional strain of all this—you have to have a way to deal with all that. So, I really think um, that's that's really the thing that I kind of came away with this this rewatch was like, wow, it, this kind of shows Archer probably actually does really need a vacation.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. That's a thread throughout Star Trek, right? That our captains don't take vacations, but they really need to. And often they, they encourage those under them to take some time. But captains tend to feel like they are superheroes and they don't need that, right? They can do it all. Yeah, as for the relationship thing, I'm not someone who ever thought they were going to go that way with the characters. It just didn't seem like the appropriate thing, as we've been talking about, that Archer would be involved with Paul. But it takes me to the second angle, which I mentioned earlier, which is the in-universe angle. And the fact that Archer is even having these thoughts in his head, he's having these dreams about T'Pol, reflects the changing nature of their relationship. And I think especially how Archer himself has evolved over the course of a season plus here, when you consider the attitude he has towards the Vulcans, which he really grew up with. And then, of course, it influenced him as he took command of the Enterprise and the events in Broken Bow that precede the launch of the Enterprise on its mission. You know, now, back then, I think it would have been inconceivable for him to have any mm-hmm. attraction whatsoever to a Vulcan. And now, in his subconscious, he's having these thoughts about topol. So from mm-hmm. in that respect, sure. it's completely separate from the fan desire to ship the mm-hmm. characters but reflecting the real world and how people change i think that right. within the humor of this episode and even within the humor of that scene particularly outside in the rain at porthos's funeral it just reflects a real change in mindset for the character of archer
1: yeah you know and i was also thinking too that i i don't know honestly if it has as much to do with to paul as it being like he, she's the person he works closest with uh-huh. on a regular basis, yeah. Uh, in the crew, and she's a woman. She's obviously beautiful. I mean, all the women in the show are, are have been beautiful, so it's not like that. That's a problem here on Enterprise, mm-hmm. but um. So I I think people, you you can take it as just a being about them, but I, I think it's more you know when you are in the position that Archer is, it just makes sense that that would be the person, you know, um, more, and it's not necessarily about to Paul in all of the like ways that you might think about when you're thinking about getting into a relationship with somebody or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just, well, you know, she's the closest female that is around and to him. And a lot of those things can get all mixed up in your brain. And in all honesty, Part of that, too, is I, the poor man hasn't slept very much, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, And even the past few episodes, you think, you know, they just had the the, sh- the shockwave thing happen, and then they got hit by mine, and then, you know, Travis almost died last, you know? So, like, it's it's been a very stressful time for them. Um, and apparently that, that work that that station did is pretty shoddy, because if they already need another <laughs> plasma exactly. injector... Yeah, I don't know what that was all about, but Well, you know, if the plasma injector
0: is already shoddy, if I were a trip, yeah. I'd be worried what that catfish is gonna to do to me as well. I mean that
1: uh that is a I mean Was it properly that's a great thing refrigerated? About, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who knows, <laughs> Chris? Probably not.
0: So let's talk about the core story with what's happening in Sick Bay. You know, that the episode is titled a night in sickbay. And one reason that I love this episode is that we do get that opportunity to just see what goes on in sickbay when everyone else is asleep or on night watch. And Flocks is a pretty interesting character. And imagine if you had to live with him, you know, I'm picturing how like, you know, husband, drives their wife crazy with things like clipping their toenails at the dinner table or something like that. You've got that kind of uh, stuff going on here in sickbay and and Archer's a little bit surprised like what what kind of house of horrors have I gotten myself into here?
1: Well, I think it's great because we get a chance to see. We know that Flocks doesn't sleep very often, which I think is we actually get to see what that looks like then for a character who doesn't need a lot of sleep. So the the fact that he's just kind of up and doing all these things, taking care of his menagerie, you know, uh, clipping his toenails, disgustingly, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. You know, I think that is really fun to be able to see. And, and as I mentioned earlier, this is one of those things that this episode does is that some of the stuff is silly, but we actually get an opportunity to get inside the psyche a little bit of Flocks and what drives him that, you know, the things that he misses, but also the things that, um, you know, what his life is like on Denobula and kind of a chance to uh, hear him explain what family life and his own family, you know, people that he loves that he hasn't really seen in years now because they didn't see eye to eye his sons. So, you know, I, I think, all of that is is phenomenal. So there's a there is a really funny side to that that we get to see, but then we get that more serious side, and it, it's really nice. It's a it's a good mixture. So and yeah, I mean, I kept thinking to Archer, look, I know you want to sleep with your dog, but you should probably just go to your quarters and try and get some sleep because I would not be able to sleep in sick bay with all that going on.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, right. But he wants to be near Porthos for that support. I mean, many of us have been in that situation where we have a loved one in the hospital and we want to be nearby, or we need to be nearby in some cases. And we're trying to sleep in a chair in the lobby, something along those lines. And so I can understand Archer's feelings in that situation. As for Flocks, yeah, it makes him a real person by fleshing out details about his life about his age I think that at this point when we look at flocks we don't think we don't have any concept of how old he really is which is often the case with aliens and to find out that he's older than we think that he has all these grown children who have lives and careers of their own and this participation in this mission on the Enterprise is just another adventure in his very long life. And also having him have a couple of sons with whom he doesn't speak because they don't see eye to eye on things makes him a very real person. You know, certainly for me, I have that situation with my mother, in fact, actually. But that happens to a lot of people where... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, our lives go down that path and we don't know that. I think most of us who have that situation in our lives, we don't really share it. We don't talk about it much. And so right. you might not know that this person who you spend a lot of time working with in the case of Archer and Flocks, share uh, that little bit of pain in life that can be a bridge actually and bring you closer because mm-hmm. you can understand each other better and yeah. And I just thought it was good here that they did that with the alien character because since on this show everyone's human on the ship except for Flocks and Paul, it is nice to show us that these aliens also have the same. Certainly, in the case yes. of Flocks, being Denobulans are more like humans in their thoughts and demeanor. We can see that we can, we can, Mm -hmm. we can understand him better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And, you know, I also think it was interesting because I I think the, the neat thing here is Phlox gets an opportunity to kind of have a, an understanding of humans that he, he hasn't before. And, And specifically that has to do with the fact that, archer's relationship with Porthos and what that means you know I I think I think in some ways Flock sees it as kind of silly uh, for him to have this relationship with this you know animal he talks about how you know Denobulans don't you know have pets at all so they they don't understand those type of feelings and but they do have a dog like um, animal on their planet (laughs) Yeah, you know, they just, you know, has a tail fur. Um, Most of
0: them have one head. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I think that was really interesting as well because I, I think what we care about that is quote unquote lesser than we are and mm-hmm. how we treat that. Yeah. The thing is, I think, uh, speaks volumes as to who we are. And so, I, I think we see that Flocks gets an opportunity to understand Archer and, I think, human beings in a way that he might never have gotten to if this situation hadn't occurred. And I think that's really neat. You know, the fact that, you know, Archer is a very different captain in the sense that he does have this pet with him. And this is not something that is normal. We, you know, at least that we had seen for, for captains before. And I think, in some ways, that just makes him much more human um, and relatable to so many people. And so, uh, yeah. And and again, too, like we were talking about the idea of, you know, captains not really having the opportunity to have relationships with people or whatever like that on their ship. You know, some ways this is probably mentally good for Archer uh, to, to have a pet, oh, yeah. um, you know. Yeah just somebody can kind of, he can go to his quarters too and, and wants him to be there and, and excited to see him. And, you know, pets are good for mental stability for a lot of people. You know, it oh, makes yeah. a huge difference for him. So, yeah. you know, I, I think it's neat for, again, flocks to be able to understand that about human beings and specifically Archer because it lets you know what matters, you know? And so, and, and it's interesting because in many ways, I think, Archer's feelings for Porthos and Archer's then feelings for his crew are kind of one and the same. Like he 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 feels the same way about them, which people might seem, oh, that's kind of weird. But it's like you know, it's this. It's coming from the same type of place.
0: Well, pets are our family, and I think that's especially true of dogs because dogs interact with humans more. I I'm a dog person. I'm not a cat person. I'm not trying to put down cats, but the emotional interaction between dogs and humans is dogs have more emotional interaction with humans than cats do with humans. And humans may have the same feelings for their dog or their cat. But I think that whenever we have pets, they really very much become a part of our family. And so that's what you're saying, of course, that, archer Mm -hmm. yeah porthos is part of his family and all of his crew are part of his family as well and Mm -hmm. yeah you know and i think that's what makes him a good captain you go back Mm -hmm. to to minefield when he's on the hole with reed and he's recounting the fact that he once had this commanding officer who was very cold towards the crew and had this mm-hmm. wall between right. himself yep. and the crew, and that's what influences Archer to not be that way. And I think that's reflected here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and and it it's interesting too because as we were talking, I was just thinking about the way in which you know the Cortassans play into all of this and you know how inflexible they are. Everything has to happen by their way. They there's no um there's no flexibility again yeah there's just no flexibility there and they don't really care about how how anybody else feels they only care about how they feel Mm -hmm. which i found fascinating in the episode um you know they're they're talking about how basically unempathetic the you know captain archer is um to who they are and how they do things and everything and i'm thinking like uh huh. Right. Well, maybe that's like the pot calling the kettle black. Um. So, and it just kind of showed the way in which you know you have to deal with people like that all the time, and sometimes you just have to give in to them because yeah, you might need something from them, and sometimes they, you, a lot of times you just kind of like, I'm not going to deal with you anymore. You know. Right. So. Yeah. Um, but that that was a funny part of the episode to me because I was like, man, we've all dealt with people this many times. So. Right.
0: Well, here, what we were just talking about in terms of Porthos and how Archer feels about Porthos, I think that plays in here a little bit as well. So the Kretasans, we first saw them at the beginning of Volksola. They're the aliens who were visiting, and then the ships depart, and then the weird alien comes onto the Enterprise uh, when the airlock is not sealed yet. And in that little moment at the beginning... And of course, we go back to them at the end because we need their help. So they do appear later in the episode. But the whole point there with the Cretessins is that humans had offended them by eating with their mouths. And so mm-hmm. I think in that sense, Archer already has sort of, a, I don't know if bad feeling is the right word, but he looks at these people as being kind of odd in his mind and Maybe he's sorry that he offended them, but he doesn't really see what he did as being offensive because it's just an everyday thing that we all do as humans. We have to eat and we have to use our mouths to do that. It also shows the need to learn how to be diplomatic, which is something that you learn as you get older through experiences. And I think a captain here needs to learn that meeting new races, new alien races, Now they meet them again, and if Porthos had not gotten sick, if the Cretasins had not failed to identify this pathogen in the air that might affect Porthos, I don't know if Archer's reaction would have been quite as strong. I I think that's where the emotional element really, really plays in here. Maybe he would have been bothered, Mm -hmm. but the fact that his dog might die really sets him off and that's why his attitude is what it is towards yeah. the Kirtassans throughout the episode.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think this whole thing has been kind of a cluster for <laughs> Archer in that sense. And it is one of those things where, you know, you're the, the idea of being like culturally sensitive and everything like that is, is important. But I, I it, to me, it, it, it the way they're played, I think I kind of see them and, and and the episode kind of portrays them, I think, as just being more of a nuisance. And and almost, I would say, being kind of hypocritical in the sense of what they're asking for. They're not actually willing to give to anybody else, you know? Um, right, right. How would you, like, uh, the, the, the inability to forgive and in a an offense that actually didn't come on purpose it sounds like this episode is more topical for today than anything else i mean this happens online all the time so i mean gosh as we're just talking about i'm thinking like that's insane like how archer and his crew wouldn't even know you know and so it it's yeah it's crazy
0: I think that the going back to Voxola and the eating thing, I think the point in the writing is that when you have new experiences with other cultures, you need to be careful about things that you may feel are normal, but may offend others. And that's something I understand very well as an expat, having lived in Russia, having lived in Japan now for half my life. I remember when I first came to Japan, for sure, little things that were perfectly normal to me as an American were offensive to Japanese people. And you have to learn what the culture is like. And so I think just that's a good message in terms of humans venturing out into space for the first time. But as you're saying, I do think that the other culture also needs to understand that this person is coming from the outside and they may be doing something that
1: Mm -hmm. They don't realize
0: it's offensive. And I I think most people are like that. They are understanding. Here in Japan, that's the case. But not everybody. Mm -hmm. And as a culture, often you're expected to conform to that culture in a way that you might feel is too rigid. But, you know, it just depends on the nature of the culture. You know, here in Japan, Mm -hmm. we don't have the diversity that, you have in the U S so it's yeah. a lot harder for people to accept a wide range of doing things rather than just mm-hmm. saying, no, this is the way we do it and right. you are here. So you also do it that way. Otherwise mm-hmm. leave, you
1: know, that, that attitude can be right. there. Well, and I mean, it, 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 it kind of comes down to, especially with these type of situations, I feel like, you know, it, it's like, expecting your partner or wife or spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, to do something for you when you just started dating and you've never told them that you like this thing and yet you just expect for it to happen. That's kind of the situation here and, you know, that's where, again, communication uh, as well as a little bit of grace should come into these situations, and again, the Curtassins apparently are a graceless society, and so uh, then Archer has to do what he has to do to get what they need. So, yeah, I, I think uh, it is. It's just a good object lesson, though. I think for today's society is that maybe we should shouldn't be so hard on people and give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Um. Instead of jumping all over them, and um. You know. There is such a thing as uh, unintended offense, you know, like, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. Like, I didn't know that was going to be offensive to you. How would I know? You know, so like, we just need to have a little bit more grace, so.
0: Last point to discuss here quickly, because this might be one of the reasons that some fans don't like this episode, is the... Sexualization in the episode. And the reason I say Porthos isn't that he's a sexy dog, although I think some other dogs might think so, but it's that opening scene in the Decon Chamber. And I remember when we talked about this episode on Warp 5 here years and years ago, when I first started the show, I believe we named the episode The Dog at the End of It, meaning the end of the line, because you pan across and you've got Hoshi rubbing to and to rubbing Archer and then there's Porthos getting his massage from his dad and <laughs> that is just one of a number of sexual scenes including the one on the treadmills and i don't know what what did you think about do they is it inappropriate how they put that stuff into the episodes here for example did the conversation between Archer and Tapole need to take place on a treadmill when they're exercising and what did you think about that
1: i I don't know I mean I this isn't one of those places where i I found it inappropriate since that's kind of what the whole episode is about uh, and therefore it, it right. seems like, you know, Archer is in a place where uh, he hasn't been getting any sleep. Uh, he's emotionally compromised because of what's happening with Porthos, and he's got the frustrations he's dealing with with the ship. He put all those things together, the place that he's in, and he has started to um, see, because of these situations, uh the beautiful woman that Paul is in a way that he hadn't before. And you put all that together and it's just, it's just kind of a cluster. And so moments that wouldn't normally have been an issue for him are now in a different light. And so it's just like, I think by like say doing the thing where they could work out together or pass each other in, in, in the workout room or whatever frequently, it's never been an issue. And yet now it there's this, there's something else in the room right and so I think mm-hmm. again, the way that it's being portrayed on the show is very natural and normal to the situations that we as human beings go through in our lives at least once or twice if not more so. So I, I think yeah, I have yeah. no I have no issue with that. I mean you know the decon chamber is is an interesting concept in the first place. Um, so but I, I think, people just maybe get a little bit too uptight with things. Um, And I I don't really, I don't personally necessarily have an issue with it. So.
0: Yeah. Well, neither do I. And as you say, the fitness scene, I think not a big deal at all. I haven't necessarily heard anyone complain about the fitness scene, but it is a situation where they are putting the two characters in a moment where attraction might be heightened for them. But again, that is the point of the story, right? How is Archer feeling about to pull? So it makes sense for him to encounter her in that situation. And also it makes sense that the crew exercises. That's something I think that we don't see enough in Star Trek is the fact that the crew needs to stay fit. Obviously, yeah. anyone, you know, people who live on the <laughs> space station right now, you know, they have to stay in shape. So, The beginning, the decon chamber, I think that's what gets a lot of people because sometimes it feels like a moment of let's try to show some skin on Star Trek. And here it makes sense for the story, though, because we need to establish that they've gone to a planet, they've come back Mm -hmm. up. They don't have the technology for the transporters to filter out any pathogens Mm -hmm. that they may have encountered, unknown pathogens at this stage. Well, because they're they're still not even beaming, right yeah they, they no, they're beaming. just coming up and down in, in the area, right yeah.
1: shuttle craft yeah. at this yeah. point, so
0: yeah, yeah, in fact, they have to use the shuttle to get around still, you know, they're not beaming around, so they don't have that technological benefit that starships <laughs> have in the future, and the fact that Porthos is there at the end of it all at the end of the line lets us know this is a Porthos story. And I personally thought it was quite cute, but they do play up the decon chamber sure. here from the start. Sure. I don't know. For some people, that might set the tone wrong yeah. for them from the beginning, but I don't see it as a, a big deal personally. Yeah.
1: Me either. I, I you know, I, I appreciate, like you said, I think them showing that the crew does need to work out. One, two, it's good for them mentally, you know, for that as well. That's another way of stress relief, you know, uh, good hormones that you need for your body as well. So, yeah, I think all of that's that's fantastic. So, um, yeah, I don't know, Chris, all in all, I mean, again, this is not a favorite episode of mine of Enterprise, but I don't have major issues with it. I think uh, it's probably... Three out of five pituitary glands. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Same for me. I've always loved this episode for the fine aspect of it. But when I watch it as I get older, I think more about the character elements that we have talked about today. I think it's a good combination. It's a fine light moment. Mm Mm-hmm in the series, and I love dogs, and so I'm so glad that we have a Porthos-focused episode, although I wish he weren't sick the whole time. I'd like to see a happy Porthos instead of a sick Porthos, but Dr. Flock saved the day, so I'm going to give this episode seven escaped bats. Nice. (laughs) All right, everyone, we would love to hear your thoughts on A Night in Sick Bay. There are many ways for you to share those with us. Perhaps the best way is to go to Facebook and join the Babel Conference. That is our listeners group. It is a closed group, so if you're joining for the first time, please answer the questions and agree to the rules of the forum so that I can let you in. To find the group, just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come up. If not, type the Babel Conference, the full name. You'll find a post for this episode on the timeline there, and you can share your thoughts in the comments with fellow listeners and Matthew and me. If you'd like to send us email, you can do that by going to our website, trekdatafilm/contact. just use the form you find there, choose to send to a show, and choose Warp 5, and that will come right over to Matthew and me, even though we are operating on only three plasma injectors right now. And if you'd like to find us in social media, on Instagram, Twitter, everywhere, our username is TrekFM. Now, Matthew, when you're not clipping your toenails and cleaning your tongue, where can people find you?
1: Well, uh, you can find me all over the the social media platforms, MattRushing02, so Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Vero, any of those places you can find me. Um, Also uh, on our other side of the network that doesn't have anything to do with Star Trek called the 602 Club, and we talk about all of those fandoms we love outside of the Star Trek series. Um, You can also find me on Literary Tracks about the books and the comics of Star Trek. You can find me on The Orb with you, Chris, as we talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We've got... Artificial Tango about Star Trek Picard and Saddle Up about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And then, of course, you can also find me over on the Nerd Party Network with two shows. One's called Owl Post. I did that with Drea Kaufman. It's a completed show. We talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time. And then over there as well with John Mills on aggressive negotiations talking about Star Wars each and every week. But, Chris, you know, when people aren't trying to find uh, your missing bat that's gotten loose in your office, where can people find you?
0: It's a sneaky one. It's very hard to catch. I've been trying for weeks now.
1: We should just have and... Hoshi walk in and apparently catch it like that.
0: Well, I'd love to have Hoshi walk in. But <laughs> that is, um, in fact, that's the reason I let the bat out of the cage, but I'm still waiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, once uh, once I give up on all of that, you can find me, as you mentioned, doing the shows that we do together here on the network. Also, Larry Nemechek and I do The Ready Room from time to time, and there's Interface, and you can find me in all sorts of shows, many episodes in the back catalog here on the network. So check those out if you'd like to hear more of my thoughts on Star Trek, and if you'd like to chat in social media. You can find me under the username C Brian Jones, letter C and Brian with a Y. That is my username everywhere on social media, but Twitter is where I'm most active. So I'd love to chat with you there. If you'd like to help us keep this show and everything else that we're doing on the network going, we could definitely use your help. It takes a great deal of money to produce and distribute these shows. And if you'd like to help us and get involved in the network, visit patreon.com slash trek fm to find out how that's patreo dot com slash trek fm and i'd like to send a huge thank you to everyone who is supporting us right now we would not be here without you so thank you so very very much well matthew i'm gonna go work out because i need to build up some strength before next week when we face off against some klingon marauders
1: Well, Chris, that sounds like a fantastic idea. I might just join you. So let's go.